Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Fantasy and Romance and all of the wonderful places they intersect. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Mm. What would we do without coffee? Today is Friday, December 11th. Um, end of the first full week of December, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So we're nearing the end of 2020, getting there. And I am going to finish the book today, uh, The Golden Griffin and the Bear Prince. I got 3,000 words on it yesterday. So um, Dorinda commented that it was going much faster for me now. You know, it's funny how some days it you know, for a while there, for a couple of weeks, I was getting like 600 words an hour, which I know is, is good for many people. For me, it's um, frustratingly slow because like my first hour of the day will be like 600 words and that's fine. But after that, then I want to be getting a thousand words an hour, <laughs> which is a high expectation, I know. But um, it makes me happy when I'm getting a thousand words an hour. But I wasn't, as I was coming up to that um, Act 3 climax and figuring out that um, magic scene at the end and what exactly was going on and all of that. And when I say figure out, of course, I mean like trying to get it to draw through from this other place. So, uh, but then the last couple of days I have gotten Wednesday and Thursday, I got 3,000 words each day. And now I only have like, I don't know, for my predicted word count, about 1,500 words left. And for my, um, like, reality, <clears throat> excuse me, of writing, makes me choked up thinking about the reality of the writing. Uh, I just have a final scene to write, kind of the final um, ceiling of, of the Louvre. And setting up stakes for the next thing. So that means Golden Griffin and the Bear Prince will be done today. Yay! I'm up a bit earlier today. I'm hoping to get those words, most of them, if not all, uh, before the Sefwa board meeting, which is at nine this morning. So I've got, um, right, I should be able to get in an hour writing before that which then at least makes it much easier to write after the meeting uh, you know it's a weird thing if I do too much stuff before I start writing for the day it makes the words flow much more slowly it makes them sputter and stagger but if I can get in like an hour of writing before I do anything else and then come back to it it flows better it's like it sets up that pattern in my mind or something. So I'm actually feeling pretty good. I was tired when I finished yesterday, but now I'm kind of on that downhill coast and wind it up. And then next week I will revise. So that'll be good to get that done. And then I'll go into a final revision on Dark Wizard. Hey, So that'll be out. I know that neither of those have covers yet. Uh, Raven sort of wedged me into her schedule and she's expecting to 
do both covers for me in December. But, you know, I told her, whatever. <laughs> Whenever she can get them done. So uh, you all will be among the first to know. And we will do cover reveals and so forth. So, oh, I try not to look at comments, but I see Hope Chase is listening. Hi, Hope. And she said that it's cool that I know my optimal writing method. Um, I think this is so important. This is key, is to figure out what our optimal writing method is. Um, that's why I'm always saying, find out what your process is and own it. Uh, we spend so much time looking at how other authors do things, uh, trying to learn the right way to do thing or the magic formula or the most efficient thing. And really what's most important is to find out how we do things because every author is different. And it's, it's endlessly fascinating when I get together with my author friends and we start talking process, hearing how they do stuff. Because while we'll have certain commonalities, we all do things in very different ways. Uh, you know, sometimes bizarrely different ways. Uh, we'll, we'll complain about sometimes someone else will say something. We'll say, oh, you're giving me hives. <laughs> I can't imagine trying to do it that way. Because what we need to do is do it our own way. Uh, writing is such a profoundly personal exercise, any kind of creativity is profoundly personal and comes from deep inside. And so you have to figure out what does work for you. So when people say, well, I can't write in the morning, I have to write at night. It's like, okay, great. You know, if, if you can't write at night, but you do write in the morning, great. If you can only write in 15 minute intervals, okay, great. What's important is to figure out what you can do, but what is the optimal productive creativity for you. So, and, and unfortunately there's no, um, there's no sorting hat <laughs> as it were to tell you what your process is and what works best for you. The only way to discover that is trial and error, trial and error, and also very careful tracking. That's why I'm such a fan of tracking how much you write exactly when what time of day you know look at how many words you produce or if you count it by scenes i know some authors count it by scenes or by pages or what have you um, it doesn't really matter what method you're using but to track but having that data you know i'm a scientist i love data being able to look at that data in the long term and and see objectively what's actually working for you. And yes, producing books is is a huge part of that um, objectivity of knowing that something's working for you. It's probably the ultimate measure. But having the granular stuff, um, the word counts and so forth, uh, can be really helpful too. And I'm actually doing that for one of my author friends who's having me do some coaching for her because she wants to improve her productivity. I'm, she's giving me a whole bunch of her numbers and I'm going to crunch them for her. And we're going to see what the patterns are. 
she has a habit of not taking time off. She works nonstop. <laughs> like Alexander Hamilton. The girl is nonstop. And I don't think it's good for her. I think that, um, and that was something that we've talked about in some of the coaching sessions, is she's seeing some physical manifestations of the stress. And that's, that's, that's a sign. For those of you uh, wanting some equivalent of the sorting hat to tell you if you're doing things right or not, uh, when your body starts to hurt, that's a sign. <laughs> Uh, because we we manifest our emotions and in our bodies and our bodies um, need to our bodies will show the lack of self-care before any other part of ourselves or actually I'm going to walk that back I think that we show signs of of mental and emotional and even spiritual stress too but I think those are easier to ignore whereas when it manifests in our bodies and we get start getting stove up um, in this case when she sits down to write within like 15 minutes she gets stabbing pains in her side this is a clue <laughs> if you were writing this into a character in a book it would be a clue right i always wondered how many people picked up on that in the talon of the hawk sometimes i think i'm too much of a subtle writer but my agent anyway is always telling me that sometimes I should just say things <laughs> she's like I know you're trying to show and not tell but every once in a while it helps the reader if you'll just tell them but at the beginning of the Talon of the Hawk uh, Ursula is suffering from back spasms and it's it's because of the emotional stress and she reflects to herself that she hopes it is an age but you know she's only 26 years old so that's supposed to be like a clue to the reader that she's kidding herself. I um, I enjoy unreliable narrators that way because I think we do kid ourselves a lot. We we deny um, the that things are affecting us the way that they are. We don't want them to affect us, and so we pretend that they don't. Um, having your body start to break down is like the. Uh, metaphorical being hit over the head with a two by four that's um the universe saying hey you're doing something that's actually destructive to you and you need to figure out <laughs> how to fix it and you know my friend doesn't want to take the time off because she feels so far behind but what happens is is if you keep pushing yourself you just get you slow down you don't get as much work done and that's what's happening to her she's she's like I keep working more and more but I feel like I'm getting less done and it's like yeah because you actually have to take time off you have to take time to recover so we're going we're sort of looking at that for her and I, I'm I've asked her she said she's going to try but it's really hard I've said take one full day a week where you do not turn on the computer don't look at email don't look at social media don't do any of those work things you know read or putter around the house or you know what whatever it is you're doing i would say go see friends but we don't get to do that right now but i know that that really helps me i haven't been able to do it in a couple of weeks because i've had things that are going on on the weekends which is one of the downsides of pandemic culture with all of the zoom events and everything it's great to have these zoom events but i noticed that the um 
the video events are like encroaching more and more on my life. And I really do want to get back into that pattern of having one day a week where I do not turn on the computer. It's more of a challenge with the smartphone because, you know, we always have our smartphones and they can do most everything. But I have my phone set up so I have a minimal amount of stuff on there. Uh, only Instagram's on my phone because fucking Instagram will only really let us use the phone. I mean, I know you can, I, I, I access it on the desktop too, but so many things you can only do on the phone and they like it that way. They want us looking at our phones all the time. And I only have one email that comes to my phone and it's my email of people I actually want to hear from <laughs> the like friends and family email, friends and family and my assistant. And then I have like one, I have Google Hangouts messaging and then text and that's, that's it, which I, which is still a lot, but that's all I have. And on my unplugged days, I really try to make a concerted effort to leave my phone in another room and only look at it every once in a while. So, um, all of that kind of feeds into something that I'm thinking about. I've been asked by RWA to do one of the two minute tips on like author life balance, keeping your sanity and then, and <laughs> I can't even say it. So that's not a good start. Keeping your sanity in an insane world. There we go. And they asked me because I sometimes teach this class on it, you know, like the sort of the Taoist perspective and trying to, um, you know, keep yourself on an even keel so that you can't be rocked by things, but it's a two minute tip. <laughs> so I'm like, how am I supposed to explain this in two minutes? I do not know. I can't even explain it in my regular daily 20 minutes. So <clears throat> I don't know if any of you have suggestions for what I should focus on. I know that you're not going to, I shouldn't ask. I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm thinking I might just try recording a few and seeing what comes out and then maybe refining the script from there. Might be the thing to do. So let's see what else. I've got a new shiny. I'm thinking of this idea, um, something that I might do under a pen name, kind of a uh, erotic thing, more along the lines of Petals and Thorns from back in the day, which is of course now under Jeffy Kennedy. Fun fact, when I first published Petals and Thorns, I did publish it under a pen name, uh, Jennifer Paris. And that was when I published it with Lucid. And that's because it's interesting to look back on this. Uh, and that was like 2010, 2009, something like that. Um, when I sold it to Lucid, I had been shopping some of my other books, like my fantasy romances. And I asked Cynthia Eden her opinion. I asked several people, but I remember Cynthia Eden said, maybe have a pen name for your super sexy stuff. And then write your other books under Jeffy Kennedy. And I thought, Oh, okay, well, that's a good idea. So I did Pels and Thorns initially under Jennifer Paris, which is my, um, it's not quite my porn star name, but it's close. 
you know, where you take the, the name of your first pet and the first street you lived on. Uh, feel free to pop your porn star name in the comments. My, my porn star name would actually be Stormy Paris, but I thought that that was over the top, even for an erotic pen name. Though upon reflection, maybe it would be fun to use for this particular thing. Now you guys will know. If, if you are listening here and you see a book by Stormy Paris, you will know. Um, <clears throat> but then, not long afterwards, I sold my first erotic book to Karina Press, um, meaning my first book to Karina Press. And Angie James, when she called me and offered on uh, the book Sapphire, uh, she, which was a contemporary erotic romance. So it was a different genre than Petals and Thorns, which is the BDSM Beauty and the Beast. And I said that I thought I should do Sapphire under Jennifer Paris, maybe, or something else to designate, you know, like my super sexy stories, like Cynthia Eden suggested. And Angela said, well, no, why would you do that? She said, everybody knows you as Jeffy Kennedy. She said, I knew you as Jeffy Kennedy from Twitter for a long time, all your social media is under Jeffy Kennedy. We want you to publish as Jeffy Kennedy. And so I was like, oh, okay. So much later after I got back the rights to Petals and Thorns from Lucid, because they just would automatically offer a reversion of rights after two years. They were a really great press. I'm sorry that they closed down. Uh, I went ahead and self-published it and did it under Jeffy Kennedy. But now some of the things that I've learned from Romance Author Mastermind last weekend were really rel revelatory. Um, and a number of people are using multiple pen names to designate genre because they've found that audiences won't, reading audiences, especially like on Kindle Unlimited, you know, the voracious ebook reading audiences won't necessarily follow you from one genre to another. Once they find an author they like, they want that thing from that offer, author. And if you write something different, uh, the readers can be irritated or they won't follow. And so there were several compelling arguments made for doing, if you're going to do a different genre, to do it in a new pen name. I am, um, this new one that I'm contemplating would maybe be in the same genre as Petals and Thorns. So it's like, wow, should I do Petals and Thorns again under yet a third name? <laughs> I don't know. From where I sit, I can look out my office window um, down the Galisteo Basin to the um, Ortiz Mountains and Sandia Peak and we have sort of a stormy, snowy day. I'll post a photo. It's very pretty with all the different colors of the winter foliage with the snow dusting it. But there's um, like a highlight in the clouds that are swirling over the mountains. It's really beautiful. It's one of the things I love about where I live is that I have this kind of view that I can look out on. So those are my thoughts for the day. Wish me luck on figuring out what to say in two minutes about Taoism uh, and keeping sane. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. I hope that you 
find ways to be um, creative in ways that are satisfying to you. And consider that unplugging, taking a day off. I'll remind you that First Cup of Coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network, and you will find more podcasts you love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all on Monday. Take care. Bye-bye.